Success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Winston Churchill A short quote, but a good one to start the show today. Welcome to Murph Morale. My name is Conrad Murphy. Good to have you today. We've got a good topic for you guys today. Glad you're listening in. Let's go. So, I very recently got into Major League Baseball. I'm talking over the last few months. I've never been a baseball fan in my life, but I caught myself checking out way too many MLB highlight videos on YouTube. I mean, too many. I thought to myself, maybe I should give this a try, actually devote myself to watching the full game. So I was trying to decide on a team that I would follow. My grandfather's a big Chicago Cubs fan, and a really good buddy of mine has loved the Chicago Cubs all of his life, so I started just watching a couple of those games, and I ended up sticking with them. Following this, my buddy and I, same friend, we recently went to St. Louis to watch the Cubs play the Cardinals. Now, I've been to an MLB game before, but it's different when you got skin in the game. It's different when you're at a rival stadium, you're outnumbered, and you really want to stick it to the home squad there. In the lineup for the Cubs has been a rookie by the star-studded name of Patrick Wisdom. That is a heck of a name, Patrick Wisdom. And this guy, he has made an absolute explosion on the MLB field this year as a rookie. Let me give you a little bit of his history. He was the 52nd overall pick in the 2012 draft. Went to the St. Louis Cardinals, the team that I was watching, these couple games for. The Cardinals gave up on him, though, after about 50 at-bats in 2018. He then got traded around to Texas and Seattle because he wasn't performing well, and he was released by the Seattle Mariners in August of 2019. The Cubs then picked him up right after that. He wasn't promised a major league deal yet. He was still playing for the minors in 2020. The Cubs then released him at the end of 2020, but quickly brought him back in January on a minor league deal. At that time, you know, he he said he thought about giving up on playing for a state team here in the United States, and, and he considered signing with an overseas team, but since the Cubs re-signed him on a minor league deal, he decided to give them another chance. So in Major League Baseball, there's this term that kind of floats around when players get called up to the majors from the minors that... With them being called up, it may just be there, they may just be there for a quote, cup of coffee, end quote. This basically means that they are there to fill a spot due to an injury, will likely be moved back down when the injured player returns. It means they've got basically enough time in the majors to grab a cup of coffee before getting thrown back into the minors. Now, this can result in players getting moved up and down multiple times throughout a season. Patrick Wisdom gets called up to the majors because the Cubs had some pretty significant injury problems. He was essentially the backup to the backup at third base, but whenever Patrick Wisdom got his shot, he did not waste it. At 29 years old, rookie at 29 years old, in his first 10 starts, Wisdom hit eight home runs. He absolutely carried the Cubs during that injury-ridden part of the season. Hopefully, I'm hoping it's been enough that he can maintain a real presence in the majors because really the odds are against you if you're trying to make it to Major League Baseball. I mean, if you're trying to get into any professional sport, the odds are against you. But especially in this case, let me give you a couple stats regarding the prospect of making it to Major League Baseball. 
So high school senior players who go on to play NCAA men's baseball, about 5.6% of them are able to do that. NCAA senior players, remember this is just senior players, drafted by a Major League Baseball team, less than 10.5%. These are the players that are likely going to their organization's minor league team. So, kind of conglomerating all this together, the chance of a high school player making the big leagues is about 1 in 6,600 or 0.015%. And if you need some perspective, that is roughly the chance of a thief guessing your PIN number on your bank card on the first try. 0.015%. And if you think that's brutal, listen to this. The average salary of an MLB player, about $4.17 million per year. The average salary of a minor league player in the AAA, which is one step below, it's about $15,000 per year. It is chump change compared to those numbers. Based on those numbers, the MLB salary is 278 times the average salary in the minors of a AAA player. Now, there's a lot of fluctuation there. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of players that get paid more, get paid less, but still, that is brutal prospects. You know, and this got me thinking about this idea of being stuck in the minor leagues, about the cup of coffee idea, only getting into the majors for just a moment and then getting tossed back down again. This idea of always being on the brink of greatness or on the edge of your goals. It's the idea of moving two steps forward, one step back, or even two steps forward and three steps back. And so what does it really take to get over the edge? My wife and I and a, and a friend of mine actually... You know, we got into rock climbing over the last year, and there's a lot of lingo that goes around with rock climbing. The hardest part of the climb of one specific route is called the crux. When climbers are working on a specific project, a project is another lingo term for sending a specific route. When they're working on a specific project that they want to send, a lot of times they can reach the crux fairly easily. But once they reach that toughest point, it takes so long to get over it. It's grueling. Every single muscle movement has to be carefully calculated. A lot of times they require days of practice. Sometimes climbers will dedicate a whole season of climbing to one specific route. Most of the time, a climber will be able to climb the beginning and the end of a project, but they have the most trouble piecing the route together with the crux. So I've got some homework for you guys on this. If you're not picking up what I'm putting down here, I need you to go watch a couple videos on YouTube. They're about rock climbing. They'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. The first video is about the hardest current graded climb in the world. It's called Silence, S-I-L-E-N-C-E, -E, Silence. And it was first ascended by Adam Andra, one of the best climbers to date. The second is a slightly longer movie, but I think it's a little bit better. It's called Rotpunkt, which is German for red point, if I'm correct, and is about another world-class climber, Alex Megos, as he tries to ascend a very difficult route called Perfecto Mundo. Both of these guys are in the Olympics for rock climbing this year. I'll include the YouTube links in the videos below, but there, those videos, you will see what I'm talking about, the crux of the problem. So... I feel like I kind of have a story like this. My path to medicine feels like it has been like this. 
You've probably heard pieces of this story from me in previous videos, and you'll probably hear more of it in the future. I'll briefly go over some of the moments that are relevant for us in this topic today. I originally went to college to pursue a physical therapy degree. You know, I was doing well in school. I ended up meeting my girlfriend, who is now my wife, made it to senior year, and all my friends that I was doing PT with suddenly decided just to up and change their minds. Two of my really smart friends decided they wanted to go into medicine. A few others that were in my class decided to go to physician assistant school. Their decisions really, though, they didn't influence me because really at that time I was already starting to notice that the classes I enjoyed studying did not match the course material and the working knowledge associated with a degree in physical therapy. You know, I didn't have the guns or the mindset to go after medicine at the time, so I applied to nursing school instead hoping to go for CRNA or something like that. But I wasn't three months into the program, not even three months into the program, when I decided it was absolutely not the right spot for me. And there were a lot of factors that led me to withdrawing from nursing school. I can get into that in another episode. But one that was most compelling is that I was doing well in nursing school. I was doing well, and I absolutely loved my classmates specifically we had a band of friends that studied together. We were in the same tables, the same labs. We hung out outside of class. We pushed each other, did everything together. We competed with each other. I mean, I would be absolutely over the moon if I could have any one of them go through medical school with me now. But still, having all that going for me, the gut-wrenching feeling that I was not in the right spot weighed on me, and it weighed heavy on me. I had a lot of conversations with family, with an undergrad professor that I really trusted, and some friends until I decided to withdraw from nursing school. I left the exact same university that I'd later get accepted into medical school at, that I'm going to attend at in a couple weeks. That was my cup of coffee moment. I was in and out, essentially. So I was married, making less than $12 an hour, definitely worse than that ratio of minor leagues to major leagues, working the same job I had since high school, going back to my undergrad to take some prerequisites for medical school. Studied my butt off, got the relevant job experience, clinical experience. I volunteered, took the MCAT, did well, or at least well enough. I applied, and if you listen to the previous episodes, you'll know that I got flat out rejected. No waitlist, nothing. Back to the minors. I worked more, got different experiences, read some books on the medical school interview, shadowed more, tried again, finally accepted into the majors. Now, I don't know if I'll be hitting home runs on eight of my first 10 tests like old Patrick Wisdom, but I still need to earn the spot. I need to prove to the school, to my family, to myself that I belong there. So as you can imagine, learn some tough lessons this episode of my life. Very valuable lessons. If you're a note taker, I'm talking to you right here. Let me break down some of the specifics of what I learned during this episode of my life. Learn from this so that you can get the easy way out. These are lessons that you have definitely heard before, but I hope these stories and illustrations we're about to get into drive the point home for you. First lesson, humility. Big one. So I'm not proud of this part of my story that I'm about to share. I was absolutely wrong. And I had a poor attitude when I made this comment. I'm not the same person when I said this. I was in the mindset of possibly at the time withdrawing from nursing school. I was weighing the options. I was pretty frustrated at the time. 
you know, I wish that I could have taken back the last few months when I applied to nursing. I felt bad that I was thinking about putting my wife through all the changes when she's been super supportive. You know, I felt guilty that I accumulated even more student load debt needlessly if I was going to withdraw. At this time, I was in a clinical session in nursing school, weighing all these options. You know, we were learning to do various things in the lab that day. We were learning about restraints, medication administration, all sorts of stuff. One of the very small things that we went over was how to properly change the linens on a hospital bed. You know, I came away from that day even more frustrated with myself, knew that I didn't want to go down this career path, but I didn't know the best way to get out of it. Later that day, me and a buddy, this friend of mine who was working toward medical school at the time, we were meeting at a small Chinese restaurant for dinner, and while we were eating, I was basically just ranting to him about my mistake of going to nursing school. I ended up asking him at this point, I said, you know what I did today? I learned how to make a bed. He looked at me, and we both laughed over how ridiculously frustrated I was about being in nursing school. Now, I was not accurately describing the work of a nurse in the slightest. Nurses save lives. They do the real work behind plans. I've seen nurses resuscitate patients. I've seen them get battle wounds from patients that were not appreciative of their care. Nurses are absolute warriors. So more than a year after this, I was working as a tech in the ER. I was working toward medical school this time, getting some really valuable experience caring for patients. Now what can you guess was one of my roles in the ER? Yeah, big time. It was changing the linens on the beds. I was about three months into the job, and I was turning a room over for a new patient when I thought about me making that comment, eating those egg rolls with my buddy years ago. And there I was literally making a bed. I was putting a fitted sheet over a bed, sanitizing everything, the whole shebang. The universe had humbled me. You know, I laughed to myself at that time, and I went on to the next room. So remember that you are never, that I am never too good to make a bed or to take out the trash. There's so much value in doing the things that no one else is willing to do or wants to do. Don't be me that goes home and argues about how your life is going over an egg roll like that. It wasn't nursing school that was the problem. It was my attitude. You cannot lead before you follow. You cannot do the cool stuff until you do the routine stuff. All right, lesson number two, patience. You know, I had this idea from school that, you know, you can't get held back. You can't take a year off or you're going to fall behind. You need to have everything figured out so that you don't spend more than the minimal amount of time to get to where you want to be. And, you know, the problem with that is that life doesn't really work that way. As long as you have a dream with a strong will to reach it, it can take as little or as much time to get there. When I withdrew from nursing, I had to go back to my undergrad school to catch up on a lot of classes. I had to take college chemistry one, I mean the the foundation of the chemistry courses, with a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds while I was 25. You know, in some ways this was good because the stakes were higher for me. I had a wife. Already a lot of money in the hole from student loans. I didn't have the distractions that a lot of the freshman students had. And you know, I, I outperformed them. But you need to trust the timing of your life. I'm not sure, I'm really not sure if I would have survived as a pre-med coming right into college. You know, when I was a freshman, I took a chemistry class, 
called Introduction to Organic and Biochemistry. I ended up getting a B in that class, but when I returned from nursing school, eventually worked my way through the chemistries, I had to take a full year of organic chemistry with lab and a semester of biochemistry. I mean, the real deal courses, not the intro stuff. I made an A in all three of those classes. Some of it was because of maturity, sure. Some of it was because I had played the college game for a while and knew what was required at that time. Whatever it was, I was more prepared at that time, at 25, to be successful. Lesson number three. Keep with your one thing. One thing. This goes along with goal setting. Specifically, you need to be able to concentrate the majority of your efforts into your one thing, whatever that is. You don't need to have a myriad of goals just floating around in the atmosphere. You've got to distill them into your one goal. You can easily focus on one rather than keeping up with a hundred. Johnny Kim, a personal hero of mine, I'm thinking about doing a full podcast episode over this guy's life. If you don't know anything about him, look him up. He's really an interesting guy, does a lot of good work in the world right now. He said this quote on a podcast I listened to the other day. He said, I just want one goal at a time. That's really important to me, even to this day, that you have one singular goal because you should be all in in what you're doing. You know, this doesn't mean that you can't have more than one task that needs to be completed. This doesn't mean that you forsake caring for your family or your household and instead put 100% of your time into your goal. It means that you remain a good steward of the other areas of your life. You pay the bills, you raise the kids, you clean the house because that will allow you to reasonably pursue your one thing. You know, this is more of a mindset and it needs to be specific. If you want to hear a little more about goal setting, go back and listen to that previous episode. But the fourth lesson, lesson number four, bring the effort. Quote from Alan Watts, popular contemporary philosopher said, No valid plans for the future can be made by those who have no capacity for living now. Nothing worth doing was ever easy. You have to be willing to put in the work. Fortunately, I believe that success as a young adult is 90% hard work, 10% intelligence. You need to be willing to do more work than you did yesterday. The dreams are going to stay up in the clouds if you don't reach up and rustle them down. You have to make sacrifices. Right now, I'm trying to find a good way to organize my time since I start medical school orientation next week. How can I stay off YouTube all day? How can I start getting up earlier in the mornings? Ask these questions to yourself. Lesson number five is you have to be competitive. Life is a game, thankfully. There are many games that you can play. But there are winners and losers in everything. There are consequences to winning or losing, even if the public says that there aren't. You remember whenever you played soccer as a kid and they told everyone that you're not keeping score, you're just there to have fun. But also remember when you went home sad because even though you weren't keeping score, you know that your team scored one goal while the other team scored two. Scores matter in life. Especially getting into a competitive program like med school, law school, PT school, if you're moving up in your company, if you're trying to get picked for promotions or special projects. Now, I know most of you have heard the rule, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not others today. I think this is a great rule for personal development. However, in terms of professional development, you have to compete with others. That doesn't mean that you can't work together. But you have to find a way to rise above the noise 
and the daydreamers to make it a reality. Opportunities very rarely, very rarely, if ever, come your way if you're not actively looking for them. If you're not intentional, nothing will happen. The good old saying from my high school band room wall said, If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. You have to change something. You have to compete. So, getting stuck on the brink of where you want to be is frustrating for sure. Being stuck in the minors is frustrating for sure. I cannot remember how many times I've told my wife or friends that I can't wait until I'm finally at the right school where I enjoy most of the material and I'm finally making progress onto where I want to be. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. Patrick Wisdom would say that it was worth it to make it into the majors, and I'm sure he's doing all he can to keep his spot on the Chicago Cubs. And that goes for me too. I'm about to be 27 and a freshman for the fourth time in my life. But of course, I'd rather be here than anywhere else. Where else would I go? So that is all I have for you today. Thanks, guys, for listening in. Really, thank you so much for listening in. Remember, if you've got tips, comments, suggestions, whatever, shoot me an email at murphmorale at gmail.com. I really, I really want to hear from you guys. Let me know what goals you guys are trying to accomplish, where you're at in life right now. I'll include the contact email in the show notes as well as the two rock climbing videos that I mentioned earlier. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking forward to the next show. Go get after it.